Good morning, everybody. Early morning. Today we are it, it. We are some people. Actually, everybody's coming off of a lack of sleep, so we're all feeling that. I know that, and so I'm really glad you're here. Your your presence here this morning is, is really important. We're really. We've got a great passage uh, text that we're going to look at this morning. I think it will be real helpful for all of us. And so we're we're continuing through this series of messages that we've called Pressure Points where we're we're just walking through the book of James and we're looking at some of the key issues that God uses in, in, in life that He's using to produce growth in us. Pressure brings growth. The book of James is, is a book in the New Testament. It's like a practical life manual giving straightforward guidance on some of the most common problems that we face in life. Some of the most uh, uh, common and routine challenges we face come up in the book of James. And so, if you're a Christ follower, then, then you have chosen the Bible to be kind of as your authority on how to live life. This is, this is the guidance manual for life. This is this is how we are directed and how we learn. This gives us direction, it corrects us, it it leads us. But the temptation is to treat the Bible like any other book and to not really figure out how to live in line with its teaching. That's the temptation in life is just to you know, kind of feel like, oh the Bible's good advice and there's some other good things too and just kind of put it at a, at a high level, but not put it at the supreme level that it ought to be. And so if you're not a Christ follower then the Bible the Bible might just be another you know, book to you. And it's okay if that's where you're at today. It's okay that you're here. I'm really glad that you're here. If you're not yet a Christ follower and you're just kind of here searching and going through the process, then uh, I would encourage you to, to take what, what we're talking about, what the Bible teaches, and see you know, what it's like to put those things into practice. See how that, that, uh, the truths that we say you know, are from God See how that looks in life as you interact with people in relationships. See how that works as you apply attitudes and perspectives in your life. Uh, and, then, and then process that with people. And then ask someone, okay, now, now help me understand, what is it that it means to really follow, my, follow Jesus? What is, what is, how does Jesus and following Jesus really connect to following the Bible? What does that look like? And so there's a lot of people here that would love to help you understand how to walk daily with Christ. And so... The Bible, as we've been looking at, and we're, we're looking, this is God's Word to us, and, and it's what He uses to speak and direct. The book of James itself, we've, we've talked about how it was written from man James. He's the half-brother of Jesus. He, he has this unique perspective, being an eyewitness on all sorts of everyday challenges and conversations. So James had this unique ability to communicate very straightforward to us. It's, the book of James is kind of like it's very similar to the Old Testament book of Proverbs, a book that's full of wise advice. And so you read it and you see, wow, this is very similar in the approach that the Proverbs have in the Old Testament. And so, uh, but specifically, this section we're going to look at today reminds me of how difficult it is to get up on Daylight Savings Day. Okay? It's very difficult to wake up on Daily Savings or Daylight Savings. Uh, there, there are actually some guys from our church that left Idlewild late last night or really early this morning to be here. Um, people have been asking me, you know, how was the men's retreat? I said, I don't know, I didn't go to that. But we, we went to a men's summit, right? So we changed the name of our men's retreat to a men's summit because the last thing we needed to do as men was to retreat. I mean, retreat is like, retreat! <laughs> We're running the other direction. 
You didn't want the men of this church to retreat. Uh, we need to actually summit. We need to grow. We need to be going to uh, higher levels of growth. And we need God to lead us to that place. And so, uh, myself and a few other of my mentors challenged the men of our church uh, to summit. And so, one of the pictures that we gave this, uh, this weekend, an image that, that I wanted us to rally around, was this picture here. It's a picture of a, of a, of a riot squad in, in tactical gear. Okay? And this, this may bring up different images in your mind, so I want to try to help you understand where I'm going with this. Okay? Uh, we were looking at Ephesians chapter 6. There's a passage in Scripture where Paul talks to a group of people in a church and he's saying, you people, like, and I applied it to the men, hey, you guys, put on the full armor of God every day so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. You know, put on the full armor so that you know how to stand. And after you've done everything, you'll be standing. And so we, we talked about this picture of standing together with other men and the importance of doing that. And how there's things that we battle in life that we need a brotherhood. We need to be standing strong with some other guys. Moving into action. Okay, There's a movement into action. We talked about strength and courage. And that, that's the, part of the definition of being a man. Is strength and courage. Courage is, is not running away. But it's, it's standing your ground. It's advancing. Now many of you men, you, you took action this morning because you were here serving. Uh, we had 60 guys pretty much at our, at our men's summit, and so many of you were serving this morning. Where you could have just decided to not be here, you got here. Many guys actually left at 545 from Idlewild at, the, at, at, our, you know, at our location where we were at our men's summit. They left at 545 in order to be here to get the trailer opened up and set up everything that we needed. And uh, that was really 445 if you think about losing the hour of sleep. And so... But the men took action. They, they decided to do this together. And ladies, you did your normal duties. You took action as well. You served. I'm talking to the men specifically because I want to just reinforce what we were saying at that summit. Um, here's what could have happened though. is, you know, The alarm goes off and you could have chosen to not put your feet on the floor. And just decide, you know what? Someone else will do it, right? The alarm goes off. Now this is what connects with all of us. The alarm clock is a great image that I want to use because the illustration it provides for how do we respond when God is trying to get our attention on something. When God tries to get us when God tries to get our attention, you know, we have a choice. Our choice is we can either get up and really take action, you know, get our feet out of bed, stand up. It's hard to do that when the alarm is blaring, you know. Or or and really, if we do that, our lives are shaped by getting up and taking action. Our lives are shaped by that. The days we decide to, to take action, that shapes the person you become. Or, all of us, men and women, or we hit the snooze button again and again and again. You may even set the, reset the alarm clock. Now, you know, I'm going to set it for another half an hour, an hour later. And we snooze on that. And again, and, and what happens is life and growth and real change can pass us by if we're not careful. Here's the big question we're going to wrestle with this morning. So at the top of your listening guide, it's this. How do you not miss the opportunity to grow from the Bible? Think of all the times when God was trying to get your attention and you hit the snooze button. God's like, wake up. Wake up. And instead, you just hit the snooze button. 
How do we not do that? How do we not snooze through the opportunities God is going to use to grow us? Uh, there's, there's been some key times in my life where God has said, wake up, and the alarm is going off. Wake up, do something with this now. And I have to take action. Um, one of those times was when I really yielded my life to Jesus Christ. I was 18 years old. I was going my own way in life. And part of my story is that I was the pastor's son and I, and I didn't want to be forced to do what my family did. And, and so I just chose to do my own thing and just began to chart my own course. And Halloween Day, 1995, I was 18 years old. Um, my dad had encouraged me to go to a church service and I wasn't you know, doing that wasn't walking with God or attending church but he said hey friend of mine is speaking would you go and hear this message maybe God will use it and I was like alright dad I'll do that so I went and I'm living I was living four hours living here in Riverside four hours from where my parents were living and the, the pastor it was actually a revival going on so it was a guest speaker and the guest speaker was speaking out of Joel chapter 2 was this Old Testament prophet and he's declaring to the people of God that they needed to repent and return to God and weep and render themselves back to God and just, you know, return to Him. And, and there was this church full of people and I, and I responded. I, I sensed God was speaking to me and giving me an opportunity to turn my life around. And I, I said yes to him in my heart and in my head. And then I actually got up and I, the guy said, if you want to pray or if you want someone to pray for you. And I, I, I hit the aisle and I ran up. I didn't run up the aisle, but I headed for the aisle. I got to the guy and I, I asked him to pray for me. I told him what God was doing. And it was, that moment has changed the direction of my life. It changed the direction of my life. And then since then, there have been some key times that... Just specifically during my quiet time, I'll be just spending time with God and God through His Word will highlight something that will be like an alarm clock and it will just wake me up. And I have to decide, do I want to get my feet out of the bed and get up and respond to Him and act or do I want to hit the snooze button? One of those times I was reading 1 Samuel chapter 2 and it's the story of Eli and Eli was the priest who had two sons and I'm a pastor, not a priest, but I have two sons and I have a daughter as well. And I'm reading this and I'm, I'm getting into the story and Eli's two sons were named Hophni and Phinehas. And these two sons in the Bible were described as scoundrels. Now my sons are not scoundrels and so I wasn't making all these connections like in that way. But I was reading this and these were grown men who were the sons of Eli, this old man. And at this point in their life, they were scoundrels. They, they had, the Bible says, no regard for the Lord. They disregarded the ways of the Lord. They took, they took their privileges as the priest's sons, and they really used that for their own selfish gain. And Eli, this priest who should have known better, failed to restrain his sons from doing whatever they wanted. And he was so distracted for some reason that he relinquished leading there and he let go of his core responsibilities and it cost him their lives. Basically, the Lord, the Lord, he failed to restrain his sons. The Lord brought judgment and declared these two sons of yours would die. And on the same day, these two sons died. And as I was reading that, it hit me really hard. And one of the things that the Lord at that point was dealing with me was distraction. He was just bringing this to my mind. Was You're distracted. You're distracted from 
your core responsibilities. You're too distracted with some things. And one of those things in particular was Facebook. Facebook was a distraction. And, I, and for me, needing to know what's going on in the world and with people was a big distraction. And it would distract me away from key times that I could have brought up to talk. Drive time. You shouldn't you know, read Facebook while you're driving. Uh, meal time. Bedtime. Wake time. You know, it was like the first thing. I just need to know what's going on when I wake up in the world. What did I miss last night? Oh, wow. But there's these opportunities that were being missing. The Lord was saying, you're distracted, Josh. And the, the excuse, well, I can manage it. I'll scale it back. And I distinctly remember how as I was praying, the Lord just said, shut it down. Just shut it down. Shut down Facebook. And for me... Through God's word, First Samuel chapter two, I could I could just sense God was saying, "It's take action. This is capturing too much of your focus." And I had every excuse, but I remember just taking action. And when I took action and decided to do that, that decision brought about other promptings by God to keep taking more action steps that God was trying to show me. But that first step in that situation was really important because had I not taken that step to to take action, I probably wouldn't have seen the other things that God wanted to deal with me, which later came. And this is how God works. Often through His Word, He just says, Josh, take action. And we just got to decide to say yes and respond and obey or to snooze. I'll get around to that, God. I'll get around to it. And in some very real ways, God has done that. And sometimes the major turning points in my life have come through that. Other times, you know, sometimes it's that loud, I can just sense God is saying through His Word, this is it! Like it's flashing like an alarm. Other times it's not like an alarm, it's a gentle, quiet whisper. As I'm reading God's Word, God says, hey, correct your attitude. Go clean up that conversation you just had. Go to work with a different attitude than you had yesterday. Because as we spend time with God and we get to see His standards and we see our life in comparison to His standards, God, He reflects that back to us and we see the brokenness, the sin, the struggle. And, and God brings us to, to change. So through those, even His gentle, quiet voice, His Scripture, many times in my quiet time with Him, God just guides and, and directs us forward. Now the Bible often speaks to such specific issues in our life. And it's, it's easy to trivialize the Bible and just put it in history somewhere and to read about other people's lives. Well, that was interesting. Well, that was interesting. But the Bible actually challenges you and me to take real action. Um, I've had times where it was cl- crystal clear to me that God was using His Word to direct my choices for the day, the things He wanted me to do. One situation, several years back, I was so anxious over a situation that had come up, something I was trying to navigate our church through. And I came to a point where I was, I was so anxious about this situation, so worried about this situation, that I was sick to my stomach. I couldn't, I couldn't even eat. And I don't typically, I, I really enjoy food. And so I typically don't struggle to do that. Uh, but I, I lost my appetite. I couldn't eat. I could, and every time I would eat, I would feel nauseous over this situation and how it was going to turn out. And all I could really do was turn to God. And so I remember one morning, my personal time with God, I didn't want to, I didn't want to get up. I didn't even want to get up. I was just starting to slip into a, a worse state of emotional state. And I came to this in my quiet time. It was 1 Kings 19, verses 3 through 7. And I want you to see how, again, how God interacts with us on, on 
in real things that we're going through. So this is a passage where a man named Elijah, he's a prophet, he was on the run and a crazy queen named Jezebel was chasing after him, trying to kill him. Okay, So she is a powerful lady because she's the queen. And she has the power to wipe him out and she threatens that he is going to be dead, pretty much. You know, by the end of the day, you're, you're going to be like these other prophets who, who were wiped out. You're going to be... You're, you're going to be killed. And so, Elijah is in quite a panic. Okay? So that's, that's the context. Now look at what happens. It says this, Then Elijah, or then he was afraid, and he arose and he ran for his life, and he came to a place called Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servants there. Verse 4 says, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and he asked that he might die saying it is enough now O Lord like I've had enough it's too hard he's, he's depressed he is, he's afraid it's, it's enough now O Lord take away my life for I am no better than my father's he is depressed and he's slipping into a deeper place of desperation at this point because of what he's crying out then in verse 5 he says, or it says, And he laid down and he slept under a broom tree. Have you ever been so emotionally in distress that you, you just want to crawl into bed and sleep and not get up? I know, I know people, this is the struggle. The depression slips into this. I'm not getting out of bed. I'm not waking up. Says this, and behold, an angel touched him and said to him, "Arise and eat." And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and he drank and he lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, "Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you." And then Elijah arose and he ate and he drank and he went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights. To horror of the Mount of God. He wasn't harmed by Jezebel. In that moment, as I read that passage, I knew God was speaking to me and telling me to take action, get up and eat. I, I needed to eat food. And I, it, I needed to get up. I needed to take action. I needed to get out of bed. I needed to wash my face. I needed to get ready for the day. And I needed to go take care of my responsibilities at work. And God strengthened me. And I remember forcing myself to just... And I really sense God was prompting me through His Word here. And as a church, we, we got through that situation. But that challenge to act, for me, is just another example of the ways that God interacts with us through His Word. And He directs us. Sometimes we receive the challenge and we just respond to it. Other times, we receive the challenge from God and we fail to respond to it and we miss the opportunity that He had brought for our growth. And I don't want to miss the opportunities to grow from those kinds of pressure points where God speaks to us through His Word. And so this is the question. Again, how do you not miss the opportunity to grow from the Bible? When God directs you from the Bible, whether it's through a sermon or through a small group discussion that you're having about the Scripture or through your own personal quiet time with God, just like I was describing how God interacts, how do you not miss the opportunity to grow? James answers that question. There's three, three things I'm going to cover here. And we're going to look at our text as James 1, 19-27. So take a look together. The first thing is this. You approach God's Word in humility. When you read the Bible, 
or even before you get into the Bible, before you come to church, before you sit down and spend time with God on your own, before you arrive at small group and you know they're going to be talking about some, some scriptural principles, humble yourself and get ready to submit your will to God before, before it starts, before you really get into the text, before you really get into the scripture, before you, you know, step into the, into the church service. Humble yourself before you get there and just say, God, you're in charge. The way we humble ourselves, humility is signified in Scripture always by stepping down. It's taking a lower step. It's stepping down and letting others go ahead or just taking a step from our exalted position. God, you're in charge. This is, this time, you know, you're, you're the, you're the master. I'm your servant. I humble myself before you. I'm reporting for orders, God. I expect that you're going to speak to me at church today. I expect you're going to speak to me in, in small groups today. I, you're going to, Go ahead and go for it. I can't think of a better effect than that at that time. <laughs> I expect you're going to speak to me when, when, when I open your word in this quiet time right now. But I humble myself before you. You're the master. I'm your servant. So we humble ourselves. Now look at the verses. Luke, or I'm sorry, James 1, 19 through 21. We typically look at these verses and we apply it to our relationships. Okay? This is the passage we often use when we're relating to other people. But think about this in the context of how we respond to God's Word. Not just when other people are trying to talk to us. Okay, but how do we respond to God's Word? He says this, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Three things. Let every person be quick. No delay. No delay to hear. God, I want to hear from you. I'm not delaying. I'm listening. I'm tuned in. I know you're going to speak to me right now. And then he says, slow to speak. I understand what it means to be slow to speak because I struggle with this. When someone's talking to me, I'm forming my response in my mind, and they start talking, and I say, oh, yeah, and they say, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, 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 you. Dang it, I interrupted them, you know. How many times do we cut people off before they're done talking? just in our own relationships. Well, we can do this very same thing with God. God begins to speak to us and we, we, are, we are not slow to speak. We're, we're slow to say, yeah, God, but... Yeah, but... Yeah, but in my special case... Or that's interesting, but I just think that... And we start speaking. We interrupt God. As if God says, oh yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead, Josh. Take it. You've got the floor. This is what James is giving a warning against here. Now, even like in, in service or in church, sometimes I, I assume I'll see somebody responding, I think. I'll see like, like a, a body language, like a response. or I'm like, oh, this, seems, this guy really or this gal really seems to be fidgeting over this. And maybe God's really working on them. And, and maybe God's speaking to them right now. And, and I'm assuming... We're probably going to have a really good conversation after service is over. And, and then sure enough, I see a person heading towards me and they'll come and talk to me. And, and it's not what I expected. And in fact, it's a total tangent. And they were stirring over something else that when God was speaking, they, they, were, they were speaking. They, their mind was distracted. They weren't engaging. And they're, they're focused on something else. And they miss the time. Or it's, it's Bible trivia time to stump the pastor. Hey, you know, you said this, and 
Do you know who the three these guys are? Or do you know what the... And it's stumped the pastor time and I'm thinking... When, God, when God's trying to get our attention, how quickly we're trying to get our insights into the situation and how we want to interrupt the flow through our quiet times. Our small group leaders leading out and we've, we've got a better thought. Oh, this is an area right here that creates some feedback. Oh, this microphone is causing feedback. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> I got technical for a moment. <laughs> So it's so difficult for us to just be quick to hear, slow to speak. Yeah, God, I know I should do such and such, but in my special case, I'm going to do this. And so we interrupt God. James continues, quick to hear, slow to speak, and then he says this, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. We can actually lash out in anger when God starts speaking to us. He starts speaking through His Word, Again, through a message or through our quiet time, maybe he's correcting something that we don't um, really like. Maybe he's putting his finger on an issue that's really convicting and we know he's, he's hammering on something really important that we don't really want to change though. And so rather than responding in humility, we respond in anger. We get angry at God. We get frustrated at Him. We get frustrated at the people around us. Rather than submitting and humbling ourselves, we react. So James says, don't, don't do that. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Verse 21, Therefore put away all filthiness. You know, clean up, he's saying, and rampant, like this overabundant wickedness and evil, and receive with meekness, he says, the implanted Word which is able to save your souls. This is why I think James intended us to apply this first to how we respond to the Bible. And that this isn't just a verse on how to interact with each other. Look what he's saying. Receive with meekness, with humility, the implanted Word. God wants us to hear from Him and then slow down, stop the reactions, stop the yabbats, and yield. He, he wants us to submit our way to His way and let Him graft something brand new into my life and into my heart. He wants to sow deeply His Word and fix His Word inside of you. He wants our hearts to change. And this often begins with a humble approach. That's where the starting point is. Humbling myself before Him. Second, James lets us know this. Remember, he says, the blessing is in the doing. Not just knowing. This is where the blessing is found. The blessing of God in this life for a Christ follower is found in the obedience. It's found in the doing, not just the knowing. For you guys at the Men's Summit, this is reinforcing what what Pastor Randy shared in our second session. A lifetime of hearing... And not responding leads to deception, is what James says here, and major problems. One of the major challenges is that our whole life, we are graded on what we know. We go to school and we're graded on how much we know. We're tested on what we know. We need to recite all the facts. And so it's normal to approach our walk with Christ in the same way. I just got to know this stuff. I just got to know this stuff so I can pass some tests that God's going to issue someday. And we're waiting for a test and for God to slap a test across on the paper and say, okay, here's the trivia questions. That's not how God's work. God works. The test is, is real life. He's providing the answers to guide us through the tests that are coming in life if we'll apply His Word. You come to know Jesus Christ not by your works 
or because of what you've done. You come to Him only by grace through faith. But in the Christian life, from that point forward, the blessing is found in the doing. So doing what God says um, and asks you to do, when you do that, that doesn't save you or that doesn't keep you saved, but there is great blessing found in obedience. Look at what the verses say in verse 22 through 25. James writes, But be doers of the word and not hearers only. You know, where it just goes in one ear, out the other. We read it and just kind of somehow escapes us. Or we hear it in a message or in a small group and it just it escapes us. A hearer only. When you're that way, he says, you're deceiving yourself. And then he paints a picture of what this deception looks like to be a hearer only. Verse 23, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. You're gazing at your face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away at once and he forgets what he looks like. He makes this interesting comparison here. Now, can you imagine... Get this image in your mind. You're at a party. You're at a party and you're interacting with a bunch of people. And let's say everyone's extroverted at that point. Okay, So whether if you're an introvert, become an extrovert in your mind for a moment. And you're at this party, you're just interacting with people, and you're the life of the party. And everything you're saying, everyone's laughing at, and they're just enjoying And everywhere you go, people are just following you around because they want to hear more of you. And, and it's just like, you're on fire. And you're like, man, I'm, I'm a rock star tonight. You go to the restroom... And, 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 and you walk up to the mirror and, and you realize that you have cake all over your face. <laughs> and now you know why everyone's following you around. You realize, uh-oh, this is what I look like. How long have I been walking around like this? Now, what would you do? Wouldn't you do something about it? Wouldn't you clean off your face? You, you splash some water? Would you clean off your face? Or maybe you realize you got like Oreo all in your teeth and people are just enjoying seeing you, you know, tell jokes while you have just chunks of Oreo in your teeth and you you clean off your face, you you rinse out your mouth. This is the deception that James is saying. He says, hearing without applying the Bible is like the man who forgets to clean off his face. Every time God God shows us what he wants us to do and we fail to Respond and really apply. This is the picture. We are deceiving ourselves. And the problem is, it's not just cake on our face. It's, it's sin in our lives that is really harming us. And it's hurting us. It's hurting the people around us. And he's saying, Josh, you have something. It's not just on your face. You're, there's something messed up in your mind. There's something twisted in your heart right now. There's these attitudes, these, these words you're saying, these, these thoughts you're having. This, he speaks to us about these things. He says, Josh, clean up. Take action. I brought this to your attention. Now, now go do something with it. And I can deceive myself by thinking, I'm snoozing. I'm hitting the snooze button. I'm too busy to apply this truth. Or I minimize the impact of this you know, issue that God is challenging with, me with. Oh, it's not really that bad, God. Everyone's like that. Everyone struggles. Look at this guy. I'm better than that guy. Start comparing myself to other people. We can do that. Or, you know, God, it's just, you know, life is like a big history class. I just learn all these Bible facts and trivia questions, but there's no real intersection with real life. And so I'm just going to hit the snooze button again on this. In reality, life is one huge test of all sorts of areas. Attitudes, how I handle authority, how I relate to people, how I respond to God's mission of helping people come to know Him, how I am with my resources and my generosity and 
decision making. There's all sorts of things God is trying to teach and change in us if we'll respond. God brings the challenge to act on all these areas. Look at verse 25. Here's the right picture. You don't want to be the one who's deceiving themselves. You want to be this. But the one who looks into the perfect law. You're looking at God's Word. That's the perfect law. You're looking at God's Word. The law of liberty. Meaning, this law gives freedom. And you persevere there. You stay there. You regularly intake from God's Word. Being no hearer who forgets. I'm not going to be that guy, but I'm going to be a doer who acts. It's the hearers versus the doers. He will be blessed in his doing. If you want to be blessed in your life, if you want God to to bring good in your life, it's in the doing. It's found in the doing. We may know a lot about the Bible. We may have lots of answers. We might be teaching other people. But if we're not doing what God, what God challenges us to do, then we are setting ourselves up for major disaster in areas that really matter. Hearing only without applying, it puts our families at risk. It puts our friends and those close to us at real risk. And it puts our future in a very unshaky place. And so doing the Word is what brings protection and blessing. So let's do the Word. Then James gives this final insight here. Basically, our point here, respond by applying God's Word and what happens is you change from the inside out. Whenever we respond and take action, we start changing from the inside out because He's after our heart. And a transformed heart changes everything else. A transformed heart changes everything else. Look at verse 26 and 27. He shifts away from the picture of the man in the mirror to this. If anyone thinks he's religious and doesn't bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religious is, religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. James is not spotlighting the only issues that are evidence of a changing internal heart. But what he is saying is he's saying that a person who lives out God's Word in real life is being transformed and begins to transform the world around them. That's what happens. God begins to transform my heart and then I start transforming the culture around me. My home, my friendships, the atmosphere of my relationships, my co-workers. A transformed heart begins to transform the world around. All of a sudden, your heart as you've been applying God's Word and saying yes to Him and yes to Him, all of a sudden your heart begins to respond to what is now on, to what is on God's heart and what's been on His heart all along. So issues like justice, which is what James chooses to highlight here. And there's widows and orphans that need care. There's all sorts of issues that are on God's heart that we fail to do anything about. James highlights a couple that are really important to God. But there, there's other issues of righteousness that matter to God. There's issues of His mission that matter to God, that people come to know Him. There's issues related to eternity, as we we looked at that for several weeks. All of a sudden, our heart begins to beat in sync with what's on God's heart, because He's transforming it, and then we transform the world around. So, last question here I want you to wrestle with is this. When was the last time you went from knowing to doing? When was the last time God sounded the alarm on something from His Word, a, a biblical truth, a story in the Bible, an example in the Bible, part of your quiet time. When was the last time you went from knowing God and His Word in, up here into doing it?
When was like last time God spoke to you and then how did that change your life? You know, it's a battle to apply God's Word. It is a fight to not hit the snooze button on God. But it's worth it. It will make a tremendous difference to continue to be people who apply God's Word. And the encouraging thing for me as a pastor of of this congregation is there are so many people who are they receive the challenge and they accept it and say, God, okay, I'll trust you. I'll I'll apply this to my life. I'll apply this. And I I get the joy of seeing so many people experience the blessing of, of doing God's Word and being transformed. And I'm excited that God's not done. He's not through with what He wants to do in all of our lives. Uh, We would love to see you keep growing and growing and growing. We want to be a part of that. Uh, On the flip side of your listening guide, we we have a we provided a plan for spending time with God. Men's Men's Summit, guys. Uh, This is again just another like reminder on this. This is a great way to. This is a great acrostic that captures the heart of spending time daily with God. It's just a quick acrostic for praying, reading, applying, and yielding. If you're at a point where you're like, you know, I, I don't really regularly spend time with God, then maybe begin working through this this week. Take, take some section of Scripture, just a, just a short section, maybe a paragraph or a chapter in Scripture, and follow through this thing. Pray first, clear your mind, away from distractions, give God your focus, ask God for insight. Set yourself to obey God first. Humble yourself before Him. Then read. Read the passage once. Then, if it's a longer passage, maybe read it again. Take notes on it. What are, what are some of the observations you see? You know, what speaks to you through this? What's the application questions? And then, and then begin to apply and analyze. There's a series of questions here. These questions are from Rick Warren's uh, Bible study methods. And so, uh, great questions to just ask as you're walking through a Bible passage. Because sometimes God... God just points out a sin that needs to be confessed. Sometimes it's an attitude. Sometimes it's a command to obey. Other times it's an example to follow or a prayer to pray back to God or an error to avoid, a truth to believe, something to praise or thank God for. And then, and then at the end, after you've spent time with God, you've just, you sense, okay, God, I see this is what you want me to do. Then yield. Yield your way. And take it to heart. At the bottom uh, of the front side of your listening guide, if you flip to that real quick, you'll see there's some next steps. And most weeks we suggest you prayerfully consider taking a next step. The reason we do this is the principle of this. The principle is the blessing is in the doing. That's why we highlight next steps. Sometimes I'm at church. You know, if I'll visit a church or I'm somewhere else. There's a step that they're focusing in on, but God has been saying something loud and clear to me all service. And it's tied into what He's saying, but the one that they're suggesting is different. If God speaks to you about something very clearly related to what He's saying in His Word, then jot that down. Make that your next step. Oftentimes we, we leave you know, a line blank for you to do that. We, we suggest some as ways to get your mind going, and maybe that's the step you sense God needs to take. But we don't want people to just come week after week, year after year, even decade after decade, without experiencing tremendous life change. And so, what is it that God is asking you to do in response to this morning's message? I want to invite our worship team to join me up here on the stage. And let's ask the Lord for, for strength to apply the things that He has laid on our heart today. Father, thank You for the work You're doing here in us. Thank You so much that You've communicated Your truth to us in such a clear way. We are grateful, Lord, to be able to dig into the book of James, 
a book that's not hard to understand, but challenging, God, for us to live out. And so we pray, God, that we would be people who are doers of the Word, not hearers only. Lord, alert us to the deception of patterns of ignoring You or patterns of saying no or snoozing the messages You're sending to us, God. Help us to be people who respond without delay, quick to hear, slow to speak. God, help us to be that kind of a person. We pray for Your power and Your strength, God. We need Your help to apply these truths to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.